Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inside Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Laura Sweeney, where we're going to be talking about employment, why Aspies have problems finding jobs, why em- what employers can do to make it more easier for those of us on the spectrum to find work, and what we can do if we don't get that job. In other words, rejection. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll catch you on the other side. See you there. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Lara Sweeney. Welcome to the show, Lara. Thank you very much for having me. It's very nice to be here. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, basically, I, um, where do I start? Um, There's a lot of different facets, but for our purposes, I've been self-employed for 18 years. And before that, I basically spent eight years kind of fumbling in various various fields, retail, fast food, um, phone sales, customer service, that sort of thing. And that's why I was going through college, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I changed college majors about eight times (laughs) until I finally figured my passion. It took me a while. And then um, as I figured out. Then a bunch of things happened kind of in rapid succession. In uh, 2003-04, I realized I wanted to become a doctor, but that I figured, hey, I could also become a massage therapist first so that I could kind of use that to put myself through and save up some money while I was going through the pre-med and med school. So I did that. I started a massage therapy practice in 2004, worked it for about six years until I graduated med school in uh, 2010. Started our, My husband and I started our clinic then together. And we worked it for 12 years until unfortunately he passed away in, uh, it was about three and a half months ago, very suddenly, very unexpectedly, but I have now taken the practice and sort of brought it through a restructuring. I do not have all the training that he did because we had sort of a division of labor. I did my thing and he did his. And so we weren't really cross trained, but I took my training and restructured it, moved everything to a home office. I now work directly with patients remotely. And um, I'm actually liking that very much, even though it's forcing me into an extroverted role that actually I'm sort of an INTJ. So (laughs) it's a very unnatural role for me, but in a way I handle it pretty good. I think we'll see. (laughs) All right. When, so obviously you're on the spectrum. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed, let's see, I came to suspect or actually kind of know that I was on the spectrum in March 2016. I got my formal diagnosis in early November of 2016 after kind of hemming and hawing over the summer, you know, the pros and cons, you know, what's the point? Should I, shouldn't I? I finally said, ah, I'll go ahead and do it. So I did. All right. Now let's get into the jux of the matter here. Employment. Yes. What do you think the hardest part of for those who are on the spectrum is to find work? Honestly, I think it's selling ourselves and it's expressing our abilities and talents and skills and knowledge to potential employers. And so I think we end up selling ourselves short. I don't know if that's because we maybe our our skills and talents 
become so second nature that we almost forget to talk about them. Or if it's just more of like a social awkwardness, like we kind of freeze and we're put on the spot having to answer questions, you know, from interviewers and things like that. So, and, or maybe a combo of both. It may just depend. I'm, that's kind of what I'm guessing. At least those were the kinds of things that were true for me. And because I remember walking away from interviews going, gosh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Or I should have tapped into this. Or I should have put that on my application. Or, And um, kind of having some regret there. It's, it's tough. I also think that it's really tough, you know, we, a lot of us, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I know that for me and some, I mean, I'm sure that others may be able to identify with this too. Like we kind of know, like, okay, I'll, I'll speak in terms of I, I kind of know how I tick and I know how I need to have certain things done. I know how to do certain things and I don't necessarily like the interference from other people. And that may sound really egotistical and that's not where I'm really going with this, but it's more like, it's, it's kind of like, this is my, this is my special interest and my hyper-focus in it. And if someone else came along and, I knew that they weren't hyper, like this wasn't, like they're not on the spectrum and this isn't, they're not as much of an expert, I guess, or self-taught or whatever. It's kind of like, no, I, I know this and I just let me work. And uh, another thing too, is like the social pressure, um, various, various policies from the top down in certain companies, you have a lot of upper management that's very out of touch with their lower level employees and customers. And so they're dictating things to try and make shareholders happy. And those things are, those policies are not necessarily in the best interest of employees or, or even the customers in their store. For example, they may want to increase revenue by making all the employees suggest specific items in a retail establishment for customers. And the customer may not be interested in that. And both the, you know, both the low, lower level associate and the customer may be really disgusted by the conversation, but the employees forced to have it because upper management said so. So those were the kinds of things that kind of got in my way in terms of, you know, um, not only getting jobs, but also keeping them. <laughs> so usually I leave after a few months, be like, oh, I can't handle this anymore. All right. What can those on the spectrum do to make their job hunt easier for them? You know, it really, honestly, in my experience, the best thing I've been able to do is to find a job in which I can work as independently as possible and speak to as many of my strengths as possible. The, um, the jobs in which I've been an independent contractor or I've been allowed to come or maybe an employee, but I've been allowed to come and go at my leisure, get my job done, put in my hours and then leave. I don't necessarily get micromanaged. That is definitely one of the better positions for me to be in. Um, and I mean, right now I kind of have the best of all my worlds because I get, I'm self-employed now. I have been in some capacity or another for 18 years and I love that I get to set my own rules. I love that I get to ponder my decisions and set my own boundaries as to what I will and will not tolerate, who I will and will not work with. And it sounds it sounds very hard nosed, but actually it's not quite that that militant. It's really more of a you know there are certain people that you know I want to gravitate toward and I want to attract into my practice and work with. And there are others where it's like, okay, we're probably not a fit and that's okay. There's no judgment there. And I don't have anybody above me, um, you know, interfering with that process or that relationship that I'm trying to build with my clientele or anything like that. And I get to speak to my strengths. My strengths are helping people and also analyzing data and um, learn and the body's physiology. So, I mean, I get to play to, I mean, I love it that I've been able to build a position in which I've been able to play to all my strengths, but I will say that building that right now, you're kind of seeing me on the reaping the rewards end of it. The building was incredibly difficult. Um, it will, 
the stress is like no other. And um, you really seriously wonder if your Maslow's most basic hierarchy of needs, you know, the food, air, water, shelter, clothing is actually going to get taken care of because it does come into question when you start your own practice, especially if you don't have another source of income kind Mm -hmm. of funding your basic living while you start your venture. Now, the upside to being able to start my you know, my practice that, and I'm talking like 12 years ago, not so much this time around, but 12 years ago, when we really first started from scratch. That's where we were really worried and going through unprecedented stress. But the good news is that in doing it that way, it was super stressful, but I think it made us more motivated to succeed because it was sink or swim. And we had one shot. And if we failed, we were kind of done. And also another advantage is that it freed up the rest of our day. Since we weren't working regular jobs, in addition to this, we weren't having to work like, well, we were still working seven days a week, but we were devoting those seven days a week toward our practice and not working some job and then coming home and trying to figure out what progress we were going to make on building our practice that night or that weekend. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's always a mixed bag and it's always wins some, lose some, there are always pros and cons, but in the end, you really have to decide what works best for you. And I mean, I think each person has to decide that. And, um, cause I would never want to say this is the way because for mm-hmm. some, it might not, for me, it almost wasn't either. So it's like, I mean, I kind of lucked out a little bit. I had some, had some luck. All right. For those who can't find work, do you think they should look into their special talents and turn, try to turn that into a job? Yes, absolutely. I do. Um, if at all possible. And sometimes you have to get really creative because I mean, there, I mean, there's so many cool special interests. I mean, my roommate is also on the spectrum and I mean, he's into things like um, he's into culinary, you know, cooking, and that's a newly discovered special interest, like within the last couple of years and he's in his thirties. So he went all this time without knowing, and now he's like blossomed into this culinary genius. But before that, he was looking at things like watch and clock making and fixing clocks and watches and, and doing repair work and things like that, building them and doing repair work. And I just thought that was just so cool. I mean, so, there are different, you know, um, and he was also like a crane engineer for a while and you know, designing lifts and things like that, that cranes with lift objects. And then that has to be drawn up on paper with plans and stuff. And so he was doing that for a while too. So lots of different, cause he's got, uh, he's got a math. Um, one of his special interests is math. And one of my special interests is music, but I wanted to keep that as a hobby. So I purposely did not get into music, but then I realized, Hey, I like teaching and I like helping people. And that's sort of a special interest. And, Oh, I just, my, my interest in human physiology was definitely later discovered. And so I got really fortunate though, in that I did discover that because that is something that is a special interest of mine. And it's not going to say it's lucrative. I'm not rich, but it doesn't take too much work for me per day to be able to, um, to be able to survive fairly effectively. I mean, my roommate and I may live together, but our finances are completely separate and I'm responsible for my stuff. He's responsible for his, and we just never, the two shall meet. And so, and that's fine. Um, that's one of the boundaries that we had set. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, it really, it's, it, it comes down to do what you love and just try and, and the trick is to try and mm-hmm. figure out how to turn what you love into something that can feed you and shelter you and clothe you. <laughs> and hopefully with a little set aside to have fun after that as well. I mean, that kind of reminds me of what a friend of mine once told me, and he's like, find what you love to do and turn it into a business. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Now, yep. Amen. Now, what do you think? 
um, industries can do to work together with the ASD community to make things easier for us when it comes to jobs? Honestly, I think there are a couple of things they could do. One, they could um, improve. Honestly, they, they could invite ideas and suggestions from us because we do have plenty of good ones. That's one thing they could do. Another thing they could do is if there's if 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 an autistic employee has um, a, a preference for text or email or what have you, instead of the phone or a live meeting or something like that, to allow that person to, to allow that person that accommodation to be able to communicate in their preferred way, because these technologies all exist and everybody already uses them. So for people to, um, for for people to insist that we all do things one way and it's all in person or it's all on the phone or something like that may, you know, a lot of us hate that stuff. And so it'd be really nice if they would kind of listen to us, take us seriously and understand what all we do have to offer. Maybe too, if they sussed out our talents or allowed us an opportunity to share our talents and interests and strong points, and then figured out ways with us, maybe work together to figure out, okay, how can we utilize the, the employee's strong points and maybe absolve them of having to perform tasks that would exploit more of their weak points and or challenges and be, you know, just kind of not as easy to, to do and be much more stressful for them. All right. Now, do you think that like companies like Microsoft with their programs for autism, do you think that's the way companies should follow is ha- create these programs that cater to those of us who are on the spectrum? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, sorry, my brain, like every so often it does this. Um, can I trouble you to repeat that question? Do you think that companies like Microsoft with programs for autism, do you yes. think other companies should follow that example? I think so. I don't know enough about Microsoft's um, programs to really know whether they're on the right track or not, or successful or not. I would want to make sure that those programs aren't doing more harm than good. Um, on a personal note, I do not trust Bill Gates. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> he's not been a very good person over the last, oh, I don't know, couple decades. And uh, he's certainly not now. And I, so I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's, I would want to know more. I think that the concept is right as long as it's, I think the concept is along the right track as long as it's executed properly and it's done so for a win-win between the business and the employee and not just at the exploitation of the employee in the favor of the business. Hey, let's see what talents we can, or what more we can extract from you, but then not give back to you. So I don't know enough about those programs to be able to say whether or not I think they're a good thing or not. But um, I mean, on the surface, it sounds good. I just hope that it would be designed properly and with mixed collaboration between neurotypical people and autistic people so that both sides get represented fairly. And there seems, and there's a, a common ground of understanding reach. Right. If that makes sense. Right. It does. How can we make it, how can companies make the interview process more ASD or ADHD friendly for those of us? Um, you know, I think alternative formats might be cool. It might be, maybe it's a live chat. Maybe it's email back and forth. Maybe it's, um, you know, it, maybe it's zoom so that the person can be sitting maybe they're face to face and it's real time, but they're sitting in their 
in, in their familiar home environment and um, nothing, you know, they don't have to drive anywhere and they don't have to or, or take other transportation and kind of worry about how to get there, mm-hmm. fight traffic, yada, yada, or um, or anything like that. So I think that would be one thing that that, that would be a really good strategy that they could take. Right now, what tips would you give to somebody who's on the spectrum who's having trouble finding work? Trouble finding work, you know, that's a really good thing because that's a really good question because a few months ago when my husband had Pat had just like when he was in the hospital and just passing, um, it was a nightmarish time for me because he was the breadwinner. I had not picked up my side of the practice yet. What you're seeing right now is very much a comeback and a rapid one that actually surprised me. And definitely I, I had help, <laughs> you know, um, from the universe or what have you. So it was three months ago I was, yeah, I was actually applying myself and I was not getting anywhere honestly, but, but there's another friend of mine on the spectrum and one of her special interests is employment and human resources and things like that. And so she always, and she'd never had trouble finding work. And so she said that, um, work with a recruiter and let them find jobs for you. That way they get to know you and then they can place you with the companies they think you'll thrive with. I never, I didn't quite get that far. I was about to do that in February, March-ish, but then I realized I had to take, you know, at that point, that's when my my own calls for my own services and my practice started picking up and I was able to avoid that. But that is the route that I would have taken um, very shortly after that had things not happened for me the way they did. But that's definitely the that's definitely the process I would have followed for sure. Now, do you think com- now do you think companies are afraid to hire those of us on the spectrum? I think every company is different. I think some companies are actually interested. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a morbid curiosity at this point. You know, like, who are these people? I think other companies actually recognize fully what we do have to offer and they're actively interested. And I think still others don't understand and they're still pretty ignorant in terms of the dark. You know, they're stuck back in the dark ages a little bit and they're kind of like, well, you know, they have all these misconceptions about us that we're going to, you know, that we melt down all the time or that we're mentally challenged or you know, intellectually disabled or that we, you know, um, have all kinds of other health problems. And some of us do, but a lot of us don't. I mean, it's just, it just depends. And some of us, I've even heard, and this is so awful, but I've even heard that some people actually think that the Asperger's term is an excuse for being an asshole. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I had to really, I had to bite my tongue because this was actually the husband of a patient. And I was about to tell them that I think his wife might actually be on the spectrum, but I had to first find out what they knew about the condition. Now, the good news is there's a happy ending here is that by the time that appointment was finished, the, the husband had a, both of them had a complete understanding and a completely turned around. It was a 180 that I was able to do with them very diplomatically, very patiently and, um, and very rationally. I couldn't, you know, couldn't melt down, couldn't go off the deep end. No, no room for reflexive response here. I had to, no room for reaction. I had to respond in a very, okay, well, I understand why you'd think that, you know, the popular culture paints it that way. The media don't necessarily help, but let me explain what's really going on with the newest of the research. And so what they, what they find it. So that I was able to kind of, um, Please excuse me one second here. I got a patient that's that's new, is running. 
there we go. Um, I'm going to have to meet a patient here in a few minutes, but they're, they're waiting for me out, like outside. But okay. anyway, I, but I do want to give this the time that it's due. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, I honestly, we were able to really turn things around. And um, like I said, the, the husband and wife came away with a new understanding and a new appreciation. And actually they were some of the people to whom I came out, so to speak, that I was on the spectrum too. But I only did this though, after I started to kind of, kind of um, break the ice with the husband, you know, and, and kind of start to turn, steer his thinking away from we're assholes too. You know? mm. Actually we're sensitive, kind and intelligent beings, you know, just like, you know, other humans, you know, we're human. And so like, that was good. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, last question. How can those of us on the spectrum deal with rejection of a job? Rejection's tough. It is so tough. I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate for you how I typically deal with it because I've been rejected several times. And one of them was kind of a paramount time last year. Last year at about this time, I had been training very hard for the crane engineering the crane lift engineering job that my roommate was um, employed with because my, my roommate had decided he was going to go to culinary school. He was going to leave the job vacant. He, I was about to get divorced. I needed some um, regular income. I didn't want to be, I wanted to treat my clinic as a sort of a side business. I didn't want to be dependent on him. So I would be, because the arrangement was he was going to keep the clinic and I'd be an independent contractor. Well, in a divorce, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe amicable turns out not so amicable. So here I was trying to set up a separate life for myself and I had a lot riding on that. So what happened was I trained very intensely every day for six months and I got really good at it actually, but I'd had no formal experience. And so when I went to apply for the job, it almost looked like I was going to get it, but then, Oh, there was maybe some talk about some, whether I might have some other co-applicants, you know, some competition. And turns out that I was ultimately turned down for the job in favor of one of them because they had formal experience and I did not. And okay, fine. Maybe they were too skittish at the fact that I've been self-employed for 18 years and here trying to come back into the employment fold you know they figured us too independent and they would be well within their rights to think that um and to believe that because that, that is kind of true so i dealt with the so when i first heard that i was turned down for that job i was actually really bummed because i had a lot riding on that and that really would have helped determine and secure a lot of my future but that didn't happen so i processed it i allowed myself to i gave myself permission to feel that disappointment i understood i I rationalized with myself that it was not anything personal, um, that mm -hmm. they were more qualified than I was and okay, fine. But the most important point that I reached was this is it's comes down to personal philosophy. And of course that's, that is highly personal among different people. But my philosophy is that everything happens for a reason. And I have arrived at that philosophy after seeing it play out over and over and over again in my life. There will be something invariably, and this happens, and, and a, there's a huge example of this, like every several years, that where I basically, I, um, I want something and I strive really hard to get it. And ultimately, I am denied that thing and I mm -hmm. feel the disappointment. And, but then I end up, getting this other thing or this other thing ends up being possible that is way cooler than what I originally wanted. So, I mean, where I'm at now, I would say this is a ex prime example of that where I'm at right now is way cooler than the crane job that I wanted. I mean, the crane job would have been fun and it's engineering. It's, it's COVID. It was a COVID resistant field. My roommate didn't get laid off or anything when, when COVID hit and it's a remote work job. So that's great. But at the same time, it wouldn't have been as fulfilling or as fun as my own job right now. I love 
you know, being self-employed, calling my own shots. I love interacting directly with the patients. I love being in the loop. I mean, heck, I am the loop and I like that. <laughs> and so nobody can hide anything from me like my would-be ex-husband was doing. And so a lot of different things. I'm not going to say I'm glad he's passed away. I mean, I am still very much miss him and I, I do grieve the loss. But at the same time, there are some silver linings that could come out of even a tragedy that big. And even and that kind of rejection that I faced last year, too, there, there are some wonderful things that could come out of that. Just know that if you I mean, according to my philosophy, again, I'm speaking for me, that if you get rejected for a job, it's because there's something better waiting in the wings. And it's simply our job now to try and find what that is and to be open to other possibilities, because that it, it may be something totally different from what you're imagining for yourself. And um, so always give it that chance. And it's, I think it's important not to get too stuck in black and white thinking and not, and not too stuck into the do or die mentality. There might be some, if we remain flexible as much as we can, then we might be able to entertain new opportunities out there that are simply utterly amazing and allow them to happen. So you would basically suggest don't take anything personal and there's always one door open and another door, one door closing and another door opening. Absolutely. And sometimes one door has to remain closed for a while before that other door opens. Sometimes there's a lag time. So that's where patience comes in. And it really, it really is. That's the hardest part for me is that patience, just that trust in the universe, just knowing that, okay, I wasn't supposed to do this. So what am I supposed to do? And it didn't come along for like 10 months, nine months (laughs) for me. So yeah, it was, I hung in there. I hung in there. But yeah, I, I won't say it wasn't tough because the, the last 12 months rolling have been literally the toughest of my whole life. And that's actually saying something. Um, but now I think I'm kind of starting to pull through. And, um, and I know that if I can do it, you know, other people can too, because it's not like I'm the smartest person in the world. It's not like I'm the most capable person in the world. It's just, you know, it's, um, we, I, think, I think we all have that strength in us somewhere, somewhere. You know, and I truly believe that. I mean, yeah, people need to hang in there. I mean, because I've seen a lot of people, known a lot of people who are on the spectrum or even off the spectrum who apply for jobs that they know that they, they're they 100% qualified for and they don't get it. And it's just like yeah. you see that energy level just yeah it's down and it's like you got to you got to get them back up and it's hard because oh, yeah. they keep thinking the universe is against them and even if you can find that work, like we talked about earlier, it's find your strengths. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the hardest thing. I mean, some, I mean, my good friend is in there telling me he's got, he thought he had an interest and he lost interest in it. And I'm like, well, you, you're sitting here telling me you've got this incredible sense of taste from being an Aspie. Use it to your advantage. Become a yeah, personal exactly. chef. Yes. Learn how to cook. Mm-hmm. You got it. You got it. So yeah, absolutely. Anyways, that was Laura Sweeney, everybody. And take her advice very kindly. It's so true. This market out today, yeah, there are a lot of jobs out there. But remember, you may not be qualified for one, but you may be qualified for the other. See you in the next yeah. one. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you for coming on. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure being here. I hope to do this again. This was fun. Yeah, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Let's do.
just the way things used to be I'm no big fan of now I must have some sweeter memories Somewhere in the cloud Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Welcome to the new normal Shout Welcome to the new normal Gonna miss all you used to be Gonna miss all you had Consigned to the dustbins of history Like opinions from your dead Talk to the freaks. You can talk to just about anybody you happen to meet. It ain't 